What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Roll for Persuasion. I'm your host, Andrew Strother. What is going on, guys? So glad to have you here joining me for yet another episode of my show that is about something. Who knows? Ostensibly about Dungeons and Dragons, but quite frankly, I just like talking to cool, creative people in the gaming, entertainment, tabletop RPG industry. And I've got a couple of those guys with me today. Very excited to chat with them in just a moment. I, of course, want to say thank you to one of my big sponsors, AwesomeDice.com, who helps bring the show to you each and every week. You can go there. You can get, you guessed it, Awesome Dice. So if you play games where you need dice, this is a great place to go to get them. Uh, if you want glow-in-the-dark dice, gemstone dice, stone dice, metal dice, but I don't know, whatever dice you want, you can go to AwesomeDice.com, pick some up, use the code ROLLPERSUASION at checkout. You'll save 10%. You will support the show with a nice little kickback, and everybody is happy. So make sure you check them out, awesomedice.com. We appreciate their support on the show. I've noticed lately that with uh, all the world events going on, sometimes my episodes end up being less timely. For instance, the episode that aired in real time when we're recording this talked mostly about coronavirus, which uh, as of the time we're recording this now is not the news thing of the day. So Here's a little timestamp for you guys. This episode is being recorded on Friday, June 12th. So who knows what will be going on in 2020 by the time it airs. Hopefully everything will be chill. But uh, here we are. So it's nice to know when this happened to compare to what is going on. But I always appreciate you guys joining the show to uh, take a little break from the world and talk about games. And that is what we are going to do right now with my two very cool guests. We've got Sage and we've got Travis from 20 Sided Stories. What's going on, guys? Hello. Hey. Both of us opened our mouths and paused because we thought the <laughs> we other one was going to talk the other person. <laughs> first. It's the, it's the beauty of video chatting. I think we've all been going through that, those of us who are working remotely on these uh, video conference meetings where we all just stare with our mouths open like some dumb yeah, fish. Yeah, in person, we absolutely would have just interrupted each other and gone at the same time. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a whole different vibe. So uh, let, let's say real quick, Sage, how about you introduce yourself so people can recognize your voice and know who, uh, who's speaking? Sure thing. My name is Sage GC. I am the director, sound designer, composer of 20 Sided Stories, and uh, very happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you. And Travis? My name is Travis, and I'm here too. <laughs> um, I am a, uh, a performer and, I guess, producer of the show. That feels just like the worst term, but uh, yeah, uh, I'm in it. Executive producer. You could just slap that on your <laughs> business card. Goddamn right. <laughs> so, so real quick, uh, tell us for people who don't know, and you should, and hopefully by the time you finish listening to this episode, you will be as excited for the show as I am. Uh, tell everyone what 20 sided stories is in a nutshell. Gladly. Uh, it's always a challenge. <laughs> it's a big old experiment basically. Uh, now 20 sided stories is, a, is an improvised actual play podcast. We role play stories with uh streamlined rpg systems that meaning we try not to play D. we try to make our own fresh systems and we either pick very popular genres or popular uh ip and paradise them and make fun of them and uh basically try to bring it all to life in a way that feels very immersive very natural not like you had to be there uh all in all we use role-playing games to create audio dramas, so to speak. It's still all improvised, but it shouldn't feel like it is. Yeah, and I think that that's what kind of popped out to me the first time I listened. Like you said, totally improvised. But typically when you, when you think of improv, um, it usually is happening in a comedy situation, right? Which by its very nature allows for a little more looseness because somebody can say something ridiculous, you yes and, and you move on. But when you're, when you're doing a drama like you guys are doing to a certain degree, you're also trying to create a cohesive story and actually following, you know, the, the arc of the story. So it, it seems like there are probably some inherent challenges to um, maintaining that focus, like for you guys as performers, for you as a storyteller. Uh, what is, what is that kind of like? And we'll, in a second, we'll come back and we'll talk about what the show actually is the season you're in now, but I, I am curious very much about that kind of approach because comedy, I feel like improv comedy is almost easy compared to improv radio drama. Uh, yeah, you're not wrong. Um, it's, it's, it, it, there was definitely a, a, a road to get there. Um, and I think our Pokemon season was kind of the, um, it, it set the example of like what we could achieve in this format. 
I think before Pokemon, we were doing kind of just what everybody else does when they record tabletop and still great. And it's still fun. Um, but when you put in that extra work to try to, I don't know, deliver some sort of TV show esque arc between all right. the main characters and, and have like a, an A to B with them and, and me secretly like withholding information from the actors, but then still giving them a little bit off mic so that we're not totally lost. Um, yeah, it, 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 at any point in time, it feels like it can all fall apart. <laughs> and there are definitely certain moments in recording that get cut all the time where everyone's like, wait, what the fuck is happening? And we have to like talk it out. Yeah. Um, cause yeah, when, when you try to do it, especially too, cause we try to do our seasons as short as possible. Um, and that, that, that really is like the big thing. Cause you can, you can tell an amazing story if you have all the time in the world and just ongoing and kind of go at your own pace. And I think that's what a lot of shows do, but we're, we're really dedicated to try to, again, like make it more like a TV show and be really sure, succinct. Yeah. And that's where it gets really hard to try to like jam pack a lot of stuff, you know, in under 16 episodes. Yeah. So you mentioned Pokemon, you have two seasons that are out right now. Can you kind of, can you guys kind of, uh, summarize what those are, what people could expect if they go and listen to the show? Sure. Our two seasons that are widely available, sort of our flagship season was Pokemon, where we tried to tell an original story within the context of the first two video games, the Kanto region, Red and Blue, and basically took a group of characters we made up and drug them through the narrative of the game taking time to examine what it is about Pokemon that we, as adults now, still find so special about what is essentially having animals beat the living shit out of each other for money. <laughs> right. Problematic on multiple levels, but we love it. Well, so that's Pokemon. And then, and like you said, they're fairly short seasons, right? Uh, I, I shoot for 16 or less is the, is the, is the, the goal. So Marvel is going to be 10 episodes. Um, It'll probably be done, I'd imagine, by the time uh, this airs, the whole season will be out. We're, we're, we're getting the finale done right now. Um, yeah, in Marvel, it's a similar thing. We, we had a lot of fun making a parody story out of Pokemon, so we went on to another topic, which is the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and uh, the premise specifically was, you know, what happens during those five years of after the snap in between Infinity War and Endgame, where half the population is gone and uh, there's this big whole power vacuum. Um, and I kind of put my own little sort of punk rock superhero spin on it. And we said it here in LA, everybody's living now. Um, and again, just sort of examine what is it about superheroes that are fun and also how can we tell our own story within that context at the same time. And it's kind of an ideal fodder to set a story in. It was kind of smart on Marvel's part, in my opinion, to do the whole snap thing. Cause it just kind of gives you a bit of a blank slate where you can kind of do off the wall storytelling that, uh, isn't necessarily tied to the bigger picture cause it's all going to be reset at some point anyway. Um, so it's kind of a cool space to play. And I would imagine, especially if you're, you know, a fan of superheroes or, you know, nerdy shit like that. Absolutely. We, we knew that if we tried to pick anything else that it would just be like, I, I already felt that we were constantly trying to dodge continuity errors <laughs> and we were in like the most open-ended like spot of the timeline so right. if we were anywhere else it would have just been yeah constantly like a like a landmine twitter deal, comments just well, like actually hoping thor we're, on july well, 3rd actually, yeah <laughs> yeah yeah for sure <laughs> completely that and that's what led to us um like we did with pokemon even more so insisting on making original characters and and to say just credit building out an a world within this world that will never be seen or heard anywhere else. Um, not because we think we can do a better job, just because of like, <sighs> it's a lot going on, man, already without right. this. <laughs> and, yeah. and so you, we mentioned a little bit earlier um, that it is kind of a fully produced, it's not quite your typical actual play where you just kind of plop a, a microphone down on the table and people hear everything that happens. Um, which, which a lot of people do, and that's great. My wife and I talk about this all the time. She, she's like, I have no interest in listening to someone else play D&D. &D. Uh, another friend of mine likens it to uh, hearing someone else tell you about their fantasy football team. It's like, I just, I'm not connected to that at all. So what she enjoys and what I've enjoyed about your show and, and shows like Dungeons and Daddies is that the focus does end up being more on the storytelling. It's less about, okay, are we rolling the dice and adding the modifiers and, you know, table talk? It's 
It's the production. So your show might be one of like the most produced shows that I listen to. And so, so how did you guys kind of land on that decision of really building the ambiance? You kind of called it a radio drama or I use the term radio drama. Somebody said it. Um, and, and it's true. And, and so how did you kind of get to that point where you're like, you know what, that's what we're going to do. We're not just going to do the, uh, you know, the mic in the room and go sheer force of will. (laughs) Yeah. Masochism. Um, (laughs) on his part only. I, I have a background in uh, film and theater and game cinematics. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I pretty much dedicated my life at this point, uh, so far to like trying to tell the best story possible in as much of an atmospheric and cinematic artistically fulfilling, uh, way, uh, possible that at least that's, that's what always excites me is when all these different elements can come together, um, and create something totally unique. So when, uh, and we'll probably talk about this, uh, in a little bit, Travis. Uh, but like we, we, we were both on an improv team up in the Bay area of California at the same time. And, uh, a splinter group of us basically started playing some RPGs, uh, after practices and stuff. And the conversation came up to like, okay, let's, you know, what if we started a podcast, uh, in this regard? Cause this was back in like 2017. So, uh, actual plays were starting to become a little more popular. Um, and as I did some more research, I was really liking the format a lot, but there was definitely this, um, this like lack of stimulation that I, <laughs> with like pretty severe ADD just like needed. Um, so I made like a list of things. I was like, okay, if we're going to do this, Greg, uh, he's a founder of the show. Uh, we need to, you know, I, I, I want to address how we can do it differently. Sure. So yeah. first off, everybody plays D and D. So let's just not, let's just make a pact to just never do D and D ever, never yeah. or star Wars yeah, or ever. star Wars. Yeah. We're not going to do those two pretty much ever. Um, rules don't feel very accessible when I listen to these shows. Cause I was very much a noob to tabletop games when I started the podcast or when I started playing before the podcast came right, out of that. Right. Um, and it always felt, yeah, like you'd start talking about rules and it'd be really easy to get lost if you weren't a, already playing often and I, and, I, and I didn't like the idea that like somebody who was like a hesitant hobbyist who maybe wanted to get into tabletop could listen to it and then feel alienated and not feel welcomed yeah. by you know the exciting part of it which is the storytelling so I wanted to make really stripped back rules um, and then also huge backlogs like like and that's a problem with every podcast is like you just open up the feed and you're just like where do I begin uh, so I was like okay short seasons um, and then the last thing was just the stimulation and feeling immersed and trying to minimize the amount of time that I'm picturing the people recording at the table um, and instead maximize the amount of time that I'm picturing the story that the people at the table are trying to tell. Yeah. So I piled on as many uh, <laughs> skills as, as, as I have. And uh, I actually say that the show has been the biggest uh, advancement of these skills between sound design, especially, um, and music composition. Uh, yeah. And just trying to create a cinematic edit, uh, with what we recorded in that session. We're trying desperately as hard as we can to not be a tabletop show. It feels like at times, not that there's anything wrong with those, not that we don't like those, but for some reason it makes the sense to us the best. Okay. To put it, to put it succinctly, we have a, the best review we've ever gotten was from a friend of mine whom we were asking for advice because he's uh, he, he works um, for some big marketing firm. We're like, hey, ha- how do we, you know, communicate what our show is about? You know, he's like, well, let me take a listen to it. This is not his thing. Like, you know, he's not this is he's not the target audience. But he gets back to us, like, you know, I I just couldn't tell. Like, it was so it, there were, it was so high effort, I couldn't tell if it was improvised or just poorly scripted. <laughs> and we have, we've quoted that many That's times. That's like razor's edge right where you want to yeah. be, right? <laughs> Uncanny Valley. Too good, too good to be improv, not good enough to be scripted. That's great. Well, it, and you mentioned you mentioned uh, composing too. So do you, do you guys like write and perform all the music in the show as well? Yeah, both Travis and I are, are musicians. Um, for 27 Stories, I pretty much write all the music and actually more and more over time, Travis has been lending um, additional music to the show and hopefully in the future he'll be uh, picking up some more of that. 
Um, cause you actually are much more of a trained musician than I am. Yeah. In my, in my day to day life, I'm a, I'm a music teacher and, um, I've spent just the majority of my life either being in bands or, you know, writing music. And recently I've been doing more composing work. So it just dawned on me like, oh, I should probably help. <laughs> so I started sending like, so right now the extent of it is Sage is doing all of this aggressively, you know, uh, long he just has all these tasks that he has to get through with the show and once in a while i send him like hey i made this ambient guitar bed you can use if you want and, and what actually started too uh just because you're a phenomenal guitar player like in pokemon there's so many like these epic battle sections and i'm like yo yeah, can you yeah. throw me a, a sick solo and you would yeah and you you know you do it pretty much every time it was great yeah there was nothing so inherently satisfying to my inner child than like shredding over what would be a fight in a Pokemon <laughs> thing. It's just like, this is right. sick. All, all of the dreams being realized all at once. That's awesome. And and for, for people listening to the show, my show right now, who have not heard y'all's yet, when, when I say fully produced, I mean, we are talking, I, I mean, like, it's, it's kind of mind blowing. We're not just talking like timely ambient music and sound effects. Um, you're putting like the proper effects on people's voices to match like the place where they are. There's kind of Foley sounds and background um, audio to really set like the first episode part of it takes place in Starbucks and outside of a Starbucks and the sound is completely different like you've, you've the whole fully... show takes place in a Starbucks <laughs> everything it's fascinating <laughs> the Hulk in a Starbucks MCU Starbucks but you nail you nail that ambient vibe and like we were talking before we recorded like you'll even um, you know sweep the the channels to to really kind of place people in the room so when you're listening with headphones like like oh you hear uh, Eric over here and you hear you know Lily over here. It, it's, I mean, it is one of the, the best produced shows I've ever listened to. So Thank you. you guys should wow. definitely download and listen to it um, to fully appreciate everything we're talking about here. But so, so let's say what an episode 40 ish minutes, let's just put an average episode 40, 45. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, you record it. How long would you say it takes you to go from hitting stop <laughs> on record? Like as far as like work you have to put in to a fully produced episode? Hey Sage. <laughs> hey Sage. Yeah, yeah, it's time. Hey Sage, it's how time. long? Hey, remember that remember that episode one of Marvel that was uh it's that time. was like an hour and change? I know, I yeah. know. Do you want yeah, me to pull, sorry, fine, pull it up? I'll pull it up right now. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah, yeah. What what was the hour yeah. count on that, by the way, for you only? For you so just I I try my best to actually time myself. Um first off, thank you so much for your kind words about the production. Um it means a lot because yeah, I truly I uh I put a lot of time into it. Um a from what we said just just pure just like the challenge the masochism of just like you know uh it satisfies me to try to work on all these skills and achieve the best possible thing if, if i can i want to go for it um but yeah I, i've tried to time track every episode edit uh since uh i think since the beginning of the show actually so marvel Episode one was probably the heftiest, if not maybe a little bit behind the Pokemon finale. I tracked 92 hours. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, stop bearing the lead, Jesus. I, I was pulling it up that whole time. I'm sorry. Oh, oh, okay. My wife would divorce me if my podcast took 92 <laughs> goddamn hours. <laughs> Is Jessica there? Be like, no, no, babe. I'll see you February. Like, I have to put this episode out. Oh my God. Well, it shows. Like it, it definitely bears out in the quality. It, it varies. I, I've generally been around like an hour of work uh, will churn out a, a minute <laughs> of time. Uh, you know, each episode is kind of different with, sure. with the demands, but that's generally how it's conveniently added up is I can look at a 30 minute recording and go like, okay, if I want this to be really good, it's going to be a part time job. <laughs> And so then, I mean, you condense it down to that like 30, 45 minute, whatever it might be, um, length, how much time of actual like gameplay you guys recording at, at the table or do you guys all record together? Or I assume right now you're doing some remotely maybe, or how, how does that translate to the 40 minutes for Pokemon and Marvel? They were all recorded in advance. Okay. So, um, well, yeah, Pokemon is especially crazy eight months to edit it for sure. <laughs> <laughs> More or less. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Pokemon was crazy. We recorded that in like in like two weeks over four sessions of oh, 16 wow. episodes in 2017 none of us had lived in los angeles yet yeah, yeah. oh wow and it didn't air until um like a year um after 
<laughs> we had recorded it. Um, but yeah, uh, and then Marvel was was similar. It was a little more spread out. We did uh, like two episodes at a time over the course of of you know five weeks. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, some episodes get a lot more cut down than others. It kind of just depends on how much table talk there was or how much kind of you know meandering there was with just trying to find the rhythm of of certain improv scenes. Um, but generally speaking, like. You know, we're usually only recording. I'm probably usually cutting like about 10 minutes of stuff per episode oh, wow. at least. Yeah. Um, but that even includes stuff that like, like we're just not even playing the game. Like, <laughs> like the mic is rec- it's just hot as we're doing other things. Yeah, that's, uh, that's intense, man. You know, hats off to you. Again, it, it, it shows up in the quality of the final product. So, Thank you. you know, and it is kind of cool. Um, and, and you touched on this earlier, but one of the best ways to grow your skills as a creative, I think in any area is just by doing it right. Like, like even, you know, I've done, I've done live audio engineering for years. Um, but even just in editing a simple conversation podcast, like the skills and abilities I picked up you know, on a minor level have been big. Same thing with video. I used to do a whole bunch of video editing. And when you're doing it, you just get better. Like you're, you know, you have to YouTube how to do 57 different things. And now it's a totally new, new skill kind of in your pocket and then um, your production only improves in quality. Is, is there something, is there like an element that you would love to add to the show in a later season that you're not doing yet that might feel daunting, but you're like, man, it would be cool if, if this element existed. Um, I've got three free hours. I might as well use them. I don't know if I want to spoil it. Um, well, sure. Yeah. Do it. Exclusive or first ever. Yeah, ability I, I, to have I, I won't, I won't, <laughs> I won't give the context, but, but um, sure music to me is a really big part of the show um i i i i try to score every moment individually i rarely will reuse like tracks so um to me that gives this very emergent um moment to moment real time really immersive feel to it and uh every episode kind of feels like its own little album and every cue is its own song in that album so all of this is to say i would love live music to Damn. be incorporated into that into the That'd future cool. um because a lot of us have back well mainly me and travis have backgrounds in music um and yeah. you know we love you know stuff like uh there's a podcast called off book that does improvise musicals and we, you know we have a background in improv so incorporating what like um bombarded does a little bit um it's something I've thought a lot about. Uh, I don't know how far away that is, but that that's the first thing that came to mind. Have you put together, I know you have a Patreon. Um, have you put together like a soundtrack or an album for seasons so people can just listen to all the music? Yeah. The Pokemon pen and paper version soundtrack. How many is songs? Hun- is has <laughs> 101 tracks. <laughs> now, like the shortest track is like seven seconds. Sure. But also sure. the longest track is like 18 minutes. So it's, it's really all over the place. That's not too dissimilar. Um, um, back in the day, I, I used to be into downloading the, uh, like the old, the, the audio tracks for old school games, like NES, SNES. And it was the same kind of thing because you would yeah. have like everything from like the, you know, like the Pokemon, like the cutscene to the fight, right? Which only lasts like 15 seconds, but you'd have a track of 120, you know, 15 to three minute songs. Um, cause they match up every moment. So it, it's cool mm-hmm. that you take that approach of, of scoring every moment, not just, you know, slapping a, uh, track one, track two, track three. Yeah. I, 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 I did that approach with Victoria 1890, which is one of our precursor series. Um, it's only available to our Patreon supporters or, um, uh, or on YouTube. And it, it did work out like for the most part, like people I've actually probably gotten the, uh, like, second place next to Pokemon, the most amount of praise, so to speak, for my music work on Victoria. But um people fucking love violins, man. That's just what it is. <laughs> but yeah, and I took a really like goofy approach to to doing all that. But but it as far as the editing goes, it was always really hard for me to feel like I was enhancing the story rather than just kind of making it sound interesting. Yeah. Um, without like talking for like an hour about music. Um, yeah, that, that's really what it comes down to is like when you score something moment to moment, uh, it really does feel more important and it feels more like, um, 
the soundscape is entirely uh, integrated rather than just capturing a vibe and then just repeating that over and over again just because it sounds kind of interesting like to me that feels a little shallow so i try to shoot for something that's that's a lot more cinematic that makes total sense well we we've spent a lot of time talking about production which is stuff that um i love and is super interesting let's take a real quick break and give a shout out to one of my sponsors and when we come back we'll talk about the actual gameplay uh, the systems, the dice rolls. Um, Travis, we'll give you a chance to just talk because we've been we've been monopolizing the yeah, microphone. Sorry. So we'll, uh, we'll we'll give you an. <laughs> That's opportunity. okay. I got I got this bird outside just being a dick right now. It's okay. Well, you know what? Again, setting the ambiance. It's very creative, very avant garde. Um, but let's take a real quick second. I want to give a shout out to another one of my sponsors, Talon and Claw. You guys know them. You guys know that I love them. They make fantastic custom wooden dice and game accessories for your tabletop game. So if you are a dungeon master who wants a badass DM screen to rule the table behind, you should check them out. If you are a player who just wants something sweet to hold your dice in, uh, these are the guys to go to. Um, I love them. Anthony is a small business owner up outside of Seattle, making all this stuff himself, and he does a great job. He's really killing it. So make sure you guys go and check them out, talonandclaw.etsy.com. You can get those dice vaults. You can get the DM screens. I am aware of some other things that are coming out soon that are not out yet that you should be excited about once you find out about them. So by the time this episode comes out, hopefully there will be some more cool shit for you to check out. But use the code Roll Persuasion at checkout there to save 10% and support the show. Talonclaw.etsy.com. They've been supporting the show since episode literally like three. So super appreciative of them and the support they give us and to the community as well. So make sure you guys check them out. So jumping back in, like let's talk, and Travis, maybe you can speak to this, about like the actual gameplay and you, you mentioned kind of forming your own RPG system a bit, kind of a rules light um, way of playing the game. I'm curious kind of how you guys came up with that and then what actually playing in the game is like. Cause I will say again, if you haven't listened to the show, you almost don't even realize that the dice rolls are happening unless you let us hear them. You have a little sound effect that kind of like it's Pavlovian almost. I hear it. I'm like, Oh, things happening. Um, and it's a great way to indicate that like a random you know, moment of chances influencing what's happening at the table. But for the most part, like I said, you're not like, okay, well, what's your modifier for this? Let's take a second and look it up in the book. It just kind of happens. So how did you, how do you originate your system? And then what is it like playing in that system at the table? I'll let Sage speak to the actual um, <laughs> cooking of the, of the system roast, because that's really his department. But in terms of what I appreciate about it, I'll just gas him up for a second here. Um, unlike Sage, I had had a decent background in role-playing games in with some of the people from the improv group we were in up in the bay area where we're all from uh most of us uh and then just through high school and stuff and it's exactly as you said you find yourself for as fun as it is in the moment being like "Ooh, i get to roll 6d8 this time because of x and y it's like magic the gathering-esque you see your jenga tower of a character fall on somebody and it's like i have analytically won this moment which right. is great, but um, as content, I kind of, you know, share uh, some of the feelings that your wife has about like, yo, I kind of just don't have the time to, or the patience. This is, I, I this is not really my, my thing. And yeah. in Sage, just his penchant for narrative design and storytelling knew intrinsically that this was something that had to be uh, not as efficient as possible. And also... He, he's dealing with three just like dummies like we're not we're, we're like we're comedians we don't want to to do a multiplication so the fact that he can say roll a d6 we go okay he goes you didn't do it we go ah crap i'll i'll, I'll give some credit to emily she she has i think all of us beat with actual tabletop experience oh yeah no she's she's legit at this yeah but for sure yeah you me and jess uh which i'm totally outing myself uh i'm a fake gm um <laughs> uh yeah a lot of times you know I, and i do love uh, playing some of the bigger systems but but the biggest thing for me is just the speed at which they go and it goes back to that whole stimulation thing and i when you really get into the combat like it always felt so contradictory to me that when things are supposed to be at their most tense and moving quickly and you're supposed to be thinking quickly as your character the pace of the game actually is the slowest grinds to a halt yeah Yeah. i I, and it's because it's a challenge right like that's what separates video games and 
tabletop, like you don't have a computer doing that all for you. So you have to do it yourself. Um, there's, there's certainly no, uh, instant design trick to, to make combat super fast, even in our Pokemon system, which was using Pokemon showdown, which is like a battle simulator to directly simulate in real time, exactly how the battles would be in the games. Even using that was still enough for us to like get headaches and stop and be like, wait, what the fuck? Oh, we had so many, we had legit fights during the recording of Pokemon. That was probably one of the, yeah, the only time I think we were like really getting at each other's throats during a recording. That was also our first shot doing something that was so separate from tabletop, like Victoria, which I wasn't a part of, um, from what I understand was just streamlined tabletop, whereas Pokemon was like, we're going to augment this with, we're going to, we're going to have Pokemon battles for, we looked at a TV and we had an assistant that put in the commands. It was like, we, we had a Pokemon it was a department it was a one-man department but it was there and actually you know i think one of the things that we don't appreciate enough about our own show uh maybe sage does himself but for example in pokemon we had that where we augmented the rolling with the actual battles and stuff like that which you can't see so it sucks it's not like a thing (laughs) sure but like do me a favor sage can you explain how stats for example work in marvel because i think the longer that i live with this i'm like oh this was a really genius way to do it oh that's kind of you to say um don't get used to it <laughs> why would i uh we, we have to we have to keep each other in check you know what i'm saying uh marvel yeah so so for every series of 27 stories i've tried to um approach it totally differently and well not totally differently that's that's an exaggeration but at least cater to whatever this setting is yeah yeah um rather than just having a generic catch-all that we just use every time um it just i don't know it just wouldn't work and i especially noticed that when we went to pokemon i was like oh this needs its own thing so like for marvel i spent a lot of time like i you know i'll research like like there are marvel tabletop rpgs that exist they're older ones or there's lots of just like new school uh, superhero RPGs like masks or whatever. Um, so I'll do my research and mess around and read some books or whatever. But then, uh, with Marvel, it was cool because I stumbled upon on the website, uh, they straight up have classifications and stats for everybody already yeah. in place. Like marvels.com. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh my God, I'm blanking because we haven't talked about this in months, but, um, uh, uh, there's basically like an index that they've updated several times over the years. Yeah, of like every single hero. Yeah, and and they break down all the different... um, And it's all web design nice, like it all kind of moves. There's a lot of like what I assume is flash happening on the site. (laughs) And they tier, and it seems like they... uh, I think what Sage drew from was on uh, this Marvel website, they kind of, they tier people's powers from like one to six or one to seven. Which is mm-hmm. pretty goddamn handy if you have a certain number of dice with a certain number of sides to them. Yeah, very yeah. convenient. So, yeah. so I split it up between between personal stats and powerful stats, and the powerful stats were just straight up the uh, the Marvel um, like official tier yeah. rankings using uh, and and you'd alternate between using a D six and using a D twenty, and those actually you know looking at some charts like made some pretty balanced odds and a really nice kind of flat curve that made it just as likely as you'd screw up as you wouldn't but still influenced what we were going to do um because i'm all about trying to make us fail as much as possible sure <laughs> jerk Failure. and then aesthetically what i found really snap like really smart was we had our powerful stats which related to our powers quote unquote is you know powerful as they may be or ineffective and the personal stats, um, basically the, you had these categories where you had a personal stat and a powerful stat that were tied to, and this is just for us, like one of the infinity stones. So we had a double set, a duo for each infinity stone and sort of, I don't know, just like the, the design of that I thought was really fun. So yeah, when you yeah. had to do something like powerful, you would roll, if you had to like punch a door open or something like that, you would roll full power or whatever i forget how it works but yeah it's just it, it it was very simple to look at um at least that's what i was going for so thank you travis um but but there was still enough variety with splitting up those powers that like i could 
um, you know, I can make somebody roll both personal and powerful or just personal and just powerful, depending on the stage mm-hmm. and depending on the circumstances, depending on what they're going to use. But it's still just pretty much D6 or D20. Try to roll under yeah. or try to roll over. Have you have you considered or maybe you even have already releasing, uh, you know, the system that you've essentially built like for people? That is the plan <laughs> i am so bad when it comes to a lot of the extraneous well, it's not like busy or anything tasks yeah yeah because i'm just lazy uh that's my other favorite review <laughs> that we have is that i'm lazy <laughs> uh it was me in disguise <laughs> i knew it um yeah uh i the pokemon i have three systems that i've designed they're all very much quick roll, streamlined, easy to pick up if you're not a, 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 a veteran RPG systems for, uh, it's called the one system. I put much more work into that one than these others two. Uh, we use that for our very, very first season way back in the day called Macabreverse. Um, that is pretty much written, like it's like a 20 page PDF and stuff like that. Pokemon pen and paper version, same deal. I have most of it written. I just haven't like designed it yet. Marvel is pretty much designed up front i actually handed out like a show bible to everybody before we recorded um and so most of like what i'm gonna release is pretty much the show bible i just have to change some stuff so my hope my hope is that i'll be able to release all these on itch.io sometime in july uh 2020 um i'm 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 trying i'm trying so hard um (laughs) we're close so let's jump back to the production side again just before i forget this question um when did you guys finish recording Marvel? Because it's, it's coming out now. It's actively, at the time of our recording, there are eight or nine episodes out, I think. There's nine, yeah. So the 10th nine, finale yeah. episode's coming out. Mm. Okay, so, so when did you guys actually finish recording it? December? Yeah. So have you already started on, on the next thing? Do you have uh, whatever the next thing is in mind yet? Or is it still kind of a uh, ideation time? Uh, or is this it? Or are you done after this? <laughs> You've been in all this time. Now you're done. I'll do pack it up. Uh, no, we've been talking a lot about it. Um, we haven't recorded new content yet. Um, or like the next, excuse me, the next series. Um, but we've been planning it for the past like two months. Um, and pretty much have our, uh, I don't know, Travis, how you feel. But yeah, we're, 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 we're almost we have we know exactly what we're, we don't know what you're talking about we've been talking about it for months i know exactly what's going on it's going to be a thing and then it's going to be another thing yeah, and the we thing have, we're doing now is because the world broke yeah we have, we have we have two things on the books and it it's been shifted and changed depending on speaking in fucking ciphers just <laughs> <laughs> how, how much fun is that process of like of the pre-show part right of like coming up with what world are we going to do? What system are we going to do? Is it a lot of just kind of group brainstorming? Like, oh, you know, what if we, uh, what if we did something in the Stuart Little universe and we were all mice? Like, right? Like, Stuart stop. Little. Hold on. Adding Mouse guard rules. <laughs> Mouse guard rules. Adding it to the list. Oh my god! <laughs> Producer credit. He gets yeah, it. P- put it on there. Andrew, I, I, I want my own chair with my name on the back. Um, that is, I think, in many ways. Maybe for specifically, I don't know how Emily and Jessica and now David feel about it, but specifically for Sage and I, the most fun, like our group, our, our text threads will just pop off for like an hour of us going, and then we could, and then we could, and yeah. then we could, which is great. And then we go, oh, that'd be like a hundred hours. It feels very much like, you know, a lot of us work, you know, we live in Los Angeles. We all didn't move to the desert because we like living in the desert. We were all right. creative people who are pursuing are things in tandem or outside of this show mm-hmm. so when we approach a new idea it's like very fertile soil that we all just love piling onto, just gassing up trying to impart as much fun into the idea as we can also as improvisers basically all of us have been doing it for like 10 plus years we, we cannot leave uh, a stone unturned in terms of like dumb bits or like ideas to explore so pre-pro is the shit because it's all potential and no consequence yeah agreed it's a lot of fun to like we have our our list is so long now of just like different potential full series of episodes and uh tons of one-shot ideas of just just any different ips and and genres and like our own stupid spins (laughs) on what these things could be uh the sky is the limit it speaks to what 
I really enjoy about doing this show, which I've been ruminating about over the past like month or so specifically as we are coming to the close of another season, even in the tabletop world. And this isn't like I, I hate to try to differentiate, you know, within a community, but like there's I don't think there's a lot like what we're doing out there right yeah, now. I would and agree. I think that works to our benefit and our detriment. Um, currently, in a, <laughs> some ways, seemingly more to it's our detriment. Hard. If you look at our listen numbers, it's, you know, it's something that's high effort. And, and that's not why it's fun. But it's so, what I'm trying to say is, as a performer, as a creative, it's so unique to get to pull on so many skill threads of, you know, in the room, you get to be an improviser, you get to work either within a world you know or a world that's very fun, depending on if we're using an IP or not. Um, I'm doing it with people that I've known for, de- like Sage and I, like we started, I started, I, I met Sage <laughs> understudying him in a, in a community college production of The Wedding Singer. And then we just did a bunch of plays together. Yeah. And then we started we, doing we the show like a package deal. We, we literally did three musicals together, like in a row, three rock musicals where I was the lead and he was the second to the lead like role. I'm not bitter about it. That that is essentially like the script for like a Vince Vaughn Owen Wilson like buddy comedy movie. Like the the perpetual. Uh, we would be so bad at doing wedding crashers. You and I, we would be. We just stand there and be like, "Oh gosh, let's leave this golf course." <laughs> well, that that's that's super cool. I mean, do you do you guys have a vision for where where you want the show to go? So some context um travis you and i started talking because you share house with beth may who's been on this show twice uh for her show dungeons and daddies and i talked to her first last november which was kind of right before dungeons and daddies really like exploded because it's it's a it's a full-on thing now right and like like an insane thing um and at the time i was telling her i was like i think you guys are about to really like um she was like i have no concept of what that would be like but do you do you do you have an idea of, of if you guys would like to take your show somewhere in a similar direction as far as like merchandise and live shows and like oh this whole community thing? Or is it really more like, you know what, it takes too much time to just make the damn thing. Like we're just going to focus on making it. Please, please, somebody listen to our show. Holy shit. Please <laughs> tell, it, tell, it to your, tell it to your mom, your friends. Listen to our show. We want to do live shows. We want to make yeah. merch. We have so many dumb ideas that we want to realize and we just don't have the time we this is a show that should be handled by 15 people and it's four and really it's one (laughs) (laughs) all we want is to be able to do this and not actively dig ourselves into a hole please (laughs) save me save him we don't know minimize that 92 hour crunch card to uh, uh, a 40 <laughs> like we are lucky sage has a background in working for a video game company where this yeah. is just the expected labor so we can be like sage rest of the episode and he'll be like uh 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 uh, yeah. uh and he'll keep working on it because any rational person would tell us all to go fuck ourselves and do right. something <laughs> gainfully like that would gain he would find gainful employment yeah, uh, fun tidbit on that. Uh, I used to work at Telltale Games, and I, I was oh, yeah. there when uh, the the ship came crashing down. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I have no familiarity to <laughs> doing a whole lot of work for nothing. Uh, but that is not the end of our fate. We we really want to, um, yeah, just keep the show growing because the. What we have discovered is that while it is very much niche (laughs) and uh, we're hitting on like a really kind of like a bullseye type of listener for someone who wants all these different elements mixed into one, uh, the Pokemon finale taught me that there's absolutely a crowd of people who um, like appreciate it a lot. And it's something I, I, the messages that I got um, that I still get to this day now when people catch up um, after they finish that season uh, they mean more to me than I can probably ever fully describe. Um, same here. I, I tend to treat a lot of this as like a bit, you know, I mean, not like I'm not doing it, you know, in earnest, Beth and I are very similar in this way. Um, that's why we live together. Uh, but so much of this is like, Oh, this is funny. I'm hanging out with my friends. I'm doing improv comedy. That's not taken seriously. But again, this is credit to Sage. Somebody, who has the attention span and the appreciation for a deep, meaningful narrative. Like that's the thing 
also that I appreciate about the show. We don't find the moral. It's baked in there from the start. Like us as players, mm, yeah. Sage has thought about this. Now, that's not to say that he won't let us completely sidetrack and like not do the thing. But I don't know. I think it's because he played Mass Effect too young. Um, <laughs> but like he's always got his eye on like the prize from a narrative sure. perspective and from a world perspective. And like Pokemon, when you get through it, and I'm not trying to spoil anything, but you go, oh, God, I remember why I loved these games. And now I have bills to pay. <laughs> like right. there's so this, this and yeah. with marvel too and i think that's also i wouldn't call it luck but it's certainly coincidence that a lot of these themes that we touched on um during a time when the world feels at sort of a standstill oh, and that's the so state weird of, man <laughs> i think we did this i think this is our fault it's so weird like i there are so many strange parallels in marvel that again we recorded it before the pandemic uh before 2020 in general so um just having this like semi-apocalyptic story or <laughs> right you know yeah. uh, taking place with some bizarre police state and like not that that's in any way it's apples to apples with what's going on but there are just these elements where we go wow um whoops yeah <laughs> our, our bad sorry yeah um, but it is satisfying in that in that regard. Um, yeah. Just like how we've talked about, like the show takes so many different elements and helps us build our skills as storytellers. Uh, it's it's also proven to be really artistically fulfilling in that regard that it becomes its own entity and its own story that really does stand on its own. I, at least I would hope. Like after, like with Pokemon, I took some <laughs> crazy risks with what I did with that story almost to the detriment of everybody in the room uh when we got there towards the end I mean everyone was like what the f what is go what Sage what are you trying to um but I'm like just please just trust me just trust me um yeah, and yeah. thank god it worked uh because yeah people really responded to it and they were able to remember it you know and that's that's the most important thing to me is like it's so easy to make a podcast in this format that's fun um because we're gonna have fun no matter what but it's a whole other thing to really challenge ourselves and try to make something yeah. that not only speaks on like you know some sort of important aspect of life or or whatever um but also has characters that feel real and feel relatable um it's so hard. It's so it is. unbelievably hard. But but when we get really close to it, you can feel it, especially in the room while we're recording. Um, like that Marvel finale that's coming out soon was just like the most insane tabletop session I've ever had. Uh, and you wouldn't get that in any other format. I'm going to say this yeah. now. We don't fudge rolls we do not fudge <laughs> yeah it rolls. might sound like we do we we should <laughs> sometimes i i just, it would be to our benefit yeah to lie there are a lot of times where i really should do it but i i i, I love the challenge of like wow yeah. this is not happen. where we thought this was gonna go there's got to be a reason for that you know um so we've been going off, off for like 10 minutes. Andrew, how are you doing over there? <laughs> no, that's, see, that's the whole point of the show um, is that I get to ask a question and shut up and other people do the work. Hey. So it, it really works well for me. Nice. Um, well, dude, that, that is so awesome. I appreciate you guys coming on so much. I, I've been enjoying the show. Um, I've talked openly on my show that I have a hard time getting into actual plays, which then I feel bad because I'll have guests on. And I'll be like, yeah, I listened to one episode of your thing. I'm actually listening to y'all's and I really enjoy it. Thank you. And, Thank you so much. And I hope that people will too. I, I've worked in I've worked in like e-commerce and product development for a while now. And and one of the hardest things in product development is coming up with a new product and then having to explain to people why they might like it. Like you can come up with a variation of a thing and people are like, oh yeah, I'm familiar with that already. But but what you guys are talking about is like you have this kind of new for the podcast field way of doing a show. And so you're kind of at that struggle point of like, okay, how do we help people understand what this is? Because maybe they're expecting yeah. to be dropped into somebody's living room with a bunch of people drinking and, and playing a game. And, and it's just voyeurism of watching other people play the game we enjoy to play. And you're, you're kind of elevating that in a way people aren't used to. And so I, I think, yeah, I think there is kind of a learning curve for people. But I think that the product that you guys have is so fucking good. Um, 
I, I'm, I'm hopeful more and more people get to come to it and listen to it because I am thoroughly enjoying it. That means so much to hear because that has been the bane of our existence <laughs> for, for at least at least since Pokemon is just trying to be like, hmm, how do we how do we get package it. this people? <laughs> and I think you, you touched on an interesting point where um, actual plays, the ones that, you know, do uh, strafe into this multi hour territory. It's meant to be not meant to be, but, you know, it's something that like one of my roommates, uh, Chad, a fellow podcaster who's also a D&D player, makes a show called Station Blue. It's really good. He was also on our Marvel season. We'll put on uh, Critical Role and do the dishes, you know, where right, yeah. is our show. I've never been able to do anything else because it's so goddamn distracting because there's so much going on. It demands your attention. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which I mean that in a in a, in a positive way. Yeah, and, and it isn't for everybody in that regard. Some people hate that stuff. Um, uh, but you know, I it it seemed to be a a void of which I was particularly qualified to attempt to fill. You know, it's like particular set of skills. Liam Neeson, da da da, <laughs> the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, when uh, I'm, I'm not sure when your episode is going to air, so I'm assuming that your finale will be out. But when, just assuming I, uh, you know, maybe I dropped this episode early. I don't know. But when will the Marvel finale be going out, roughly? The plan is uh, June 24th is is the finale day on that Wednesday. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. So just a few weeks out, three weeks. And you can binge the whole weeks. thing, yeah. all ten episodes. And I do and feel we... like that is the best way to listen to our stuff, um, just because of what what Travis just said. Because it's so demanding of your attention. Uh, sure. If, it's very linear. Yeah. If you, if you try to space it out too hard, um, it's very easy to come back just naturally when it's an audio only medium to like what is going on. Um, but if you binge right. through, I think. Yeah, that, that, that's from the beginning what I've hoped is kind of something I can cater to, binge culture. Well, I'm super excited to, you know, catch up on the episodes, but then uh, you've definitely hyped the finale up enough for me, so I'm looking forward to that too. Um, before we sign off here, because typically I would tell a guest this before the show, but somebody whose name rhymes with Bravis was late to the call and we didn't get a chance to go over it. <laughs> who's that guy? Uh, we do. Who's Screw that, that guy? This, this dude. Um, we do a segment on my show for my Patreon supporters that we call the Zone of Truth, where Ooh. I stick around with my guests after the outro music and we chat about something. Who knows what it'll be about? We make it up on the fly. It's usually 10 or 15 minutes. So if you guys are cool sticking around for that, We'll do the outro here in a second. And then uh, Patreon supporters, you can stick around and enjoy that segment, which is brought to you by my third and final sponsor, Smuggler's Coffee. If you love coffee, which most people do, you should drink Smuggler's Coffee. Uh, because if you're nerdy and you love coffee, they have the nerdiest coffee around. So go to store.smugglerscoffee.com. Check out some of their barrel-aged stuff. I have some beans that were aged in a oak whiskey barrel that I've been drinking for breakfast these past few days. Highly recommend it. Big fans of their coffee and their support for the tabletop gaming nerd community so check them out store.smugglerscoffee.com they bring you the patreon bonus segment zone of truth and if you want to get access to that and all prior special bonus segments you can go to patreon.com slash roll for persuasion and support the show which means a lot to me helps make the show happen and uh, then you get to hear some cool shit that we talk about after all the episodes so if you guys are cool with that then in just a few minutes we will uh we'll chat some more sound good i want that coffee i know you, seriously you should, like that's sold legitimately so good like <laughs> I'm about to look into this. Dude, I, I love it. I've been uh Dave, the guy who makes it, he's in Chicago. Um, he he has a giant, he calls it the barrel room. It is a room full of like whiskey barrels filled with coffee beans, <sighs> and he hosts D D games there. Oh, that sounds so like amazing. imagine what? the best smelling room like in the yeah. world and then get to play games in it. It's kind of heaven. Real tavern hours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's good stuff. Um, but before we go, again, thank you guys so much. But tell people where they can find you guys on social media and the internet, where they can check out the show. Um, how they can support you on Patreon. Where can they find you? Sure. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at 20 Sided Stories. Uh, every, is it the word or is it 2 0? 2 0 Sided Stories. Thank you, Travis. Um, we're on pretty much every podcast app available. Our Pokemon pen and paper series is com- available in full, all 16 episodes and a couple little bonus ones. And Marvel will more than likely be available in full as well, all 10 episodes by the time this comes out. 
And we also have a Patreon as well, where we have a whole other podcast feed of all sorts of bonus content. We do discussions, we do mini episodes that are still sound designed and scored to just like the regular show. And you have access to our, our older first two series, Macabreverse, which is a post-apocalyptic Western, and Victoria 1890, which is a goofy Sherlock Holmes mystery. Those are exclusive to Patreon. But otherwise, the show is free and on all the platforms, and we'd love for you to come tell some amazing stories with us and get immersed and, and snuggle up and, and uh, cry and laugh uh, back and forth at a, a rapidly unsettling <laughs> rate. Is that how you think of our show? <laughs> That's how it's been described. Oh, okay. Maybe, maybe that tagline is, is uh, keeping you from getting more listeners. Mm, maybe maybe okay. you should workshop that. Look, if All that right. was the only thing. <laughs> if that was the only thing. Um, double plug for their Patreon because I just backed it. Uh, so you guys should uh-huh. go back it too and you should check out. Um, uh, so, so it says that there is an ongoing catacombs show tell me real quick about catacombbs yeah if you don't mind that's the that's the discussion stuff that i mentioned so that's all okay like i don't i don't want to plug like clog up our public feed with too much other stuff i try sure. to keep it very streamlined and very much just like the core of the content so patreon we get to have fun and anything in the catacombs that's like a non-fiction series so to speak so we'll Excellent. do interviews okay. interviews with the guests that we've had on the show to who've played npcs and they've created their own characters and joined the adventure We'll also just like pick random things that we as the hosts talk about. Usually it's all related loosely to storytelling and uh, role playing and improv comedy and stuff like that. One time we reviewed Detective Pikachu. Oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever the topic is that we're t- and currently. I need to I need to make sure I get in a special plug for any of uh, the listeners of this podcast who listen to the the Pokemon season or anyone who has listened to it on our Patreon feed. There is a a mini series called Xander's Meanders that started as a legit joke outside of a convention in Seattle where I reprise my character from Pokemon who has his own in-world podcast where he goes around and just meets people in the world of Pokemon. All the episodes are less than like five minutes. It's super dumb and I have a lot of fun doing it. It's my way of punishing oh, Travis so for layers. being too funny all the time. He loves to just find bits everywhere. So I'm like, oh, you think this is a joke? <laughs> Yeah, yeah do it. go do it. It's a thing now. That's awesome. Well, yeah, so guys, definitely check that out. Uh, we'll put the links in the show notes. You can go to 20sidedstories.com. That's 20sidedstories.com or patreon.com slash 20sidedstories to support their show. Definitely make sure that you give it a listen. Hit them up on the social media. It's a great show. I highly recommend it. So definitely make sure that you check it out. And guys, thank you guys so much for joining. It was super fun to get to chat with you. The time uh, it flew by. Yeah, thank you so much for having like us on, this. Andrew. It really means a much lot. Much like all these birds outside my garage. Oh, <laughs> shut up! <laughs> it does sound like a Hitchcock set right behind you. So, uh, yeah, keep keep a head out. I saw the other night you had a possum uh, attacking your house too, right? So you've oh, got a whole yeah. menagerie. There. Okay, <laughs> let's just let's just lay out some facts right now. I live in a garage. I yeah. sleep inside of a garage. That and was in the, the garage. most like only only Travis. Like <laughs> this makes too much sense. <laughs> and then Beth, uh, guest on your show absolutely adores possums so i immediately sent a picture to beth and said you know there's a possum she goes oh my boyfriend's here she comes <laughs> out and just like does an entire photo shoot with this uh trash prince as we've named him and uh who eventually took it, it was just like baby possum was scared out of his mind but yeah um you know it's LA. We're on the struggle bus. Support us on Patreon. Get me out of the garage. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. Get, you know, that's the first Patreon stretch goal. <laughs> get Travis a real bedroom. Get out of the garage. I'm going to die. Get him a door. Just a door. <laughs> oh, man. Well, we're gonna, like I said, we're going to stick around. I don't know what we're going to talk about because we totally didn't plan it, but that is my favorite part about the Zone of Truth segment. So if you are Can't a supporter wait. of my Patreon, please make sure that you are sticking around because we will keep talking. Um, if you do not subscribe to the show, if you were just listening randomly for one off, you know, one episode, that's cool. I appreciate it. You should definitely do that, but also go to your app and hit that little subscribe button because that helps me. If you are a Apple user, if you date an Apple user, if you go to an Apple store, make sure that you leave a review on Apple podcasts because that uh, helps the algorithm know that we are a show worth listening to. So appreciate that. Podchaser.com is also a great place to leave reviews. If you want to get in touch with the show, you can email me, Andrew, at rollforpersuasion.com. You can hit me up on Instagram or Twitter at rollpersuasion. And you can go to the website, rollforpersuasion.com, to 
get access to all of these links. Like I said, if you want access to the Zone of Truth segment, you can go to patreon.com slash rollforpersuasion. I also like to hook my patrons up with dice and you know random chats conversations and just kind of whatever i think of at any given moment so it's a fun place for people who want to support the show patreon.com slash roll for persuasion stick around if you are a backer we'll keep talking and if you are not that's all cool guys until next time make sure that you enjoy your games